than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Fathers, you brought us into this place, Lord. We pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The theme for this year at our church and that we started out our revival week was encourage yourself in the Lord. And the verse that we're going to use this year is 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And that's what uh, we're going to be preaching from this morning. It says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Would you agree with me this morning that distress is real? Yeah. Being overwhelmed is real. There, there are, and I will tell you that this, this is the theme of this year and this week. What we've been trying to get into ourselves is this idea that your life is going to have problems and you're going to go through through some stuff in your life and you've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord to be able to get through those things. And so all of our messages that were great this week, we're all saying the same thing differently, which is you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord, whether you are the author of your own destruction or you got there by chance, the, the distress should bring you to a place just as it is with David, that you would encourage yourself in the Lord. Cause here's the reality is that distress is going to to come. Yeah. 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 All right. I, I just want to make sure we're preaching to the right crowd this morning. Distress is going to come. Yeah. Your, your life is going to have problems. That's just the nature and the reality of living life. What, what led David up to this point though? What led him out to be calling out to God? Well, uh, at the beginning of chapter 30, and we're going to read in verse um, one, it says, this is what was happening with David before he reached out to God and cried out. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and the Carmelite had been taken captive. And then our verse, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So what had happened in this story is the Amalekites had come in and they had burned the entire city. They had taken captive people's wives, their sons, their daughters. And the, and the, the, the men with David, they showed up to this city that's completely burned out, completely tore down. Uh, they've taken all of their stuff and, and then they just begin to weep. And the Bible says they wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And then they came and they said, we're going to stone David because this is his fault that this happened, but they wept until they had no more power to weep. Now let's, let's recall just a little bit about this guy, David. So this guy, David is the same one that slayed the Goliath. He's the same one, David and Goliath. We all know this story, right? This is the same David. He's also the one that earlier had won battles against the Philistines and the Geshurites and the Gizrites and the Amalekites. Now, earlier he had beat the Amalekites, but now the Amalekites come back and wreak havoc on Ziklag and David. And what's happening is not even including the fact that Saul is trying to pursue David to kill him. 
him. He was going through some stuff. He was he was going through some distress. What you can get from this quick synopsis is that you can slay Goliath, you can win battles, but even in the midst of it, you can still have constant attacks that you're not going to win. Man, this is encouraging, isn't it? Does any of that resonate with your life this morning? Destruction, pursuing, pain, all these other things that go on in your life. Now, sure, it may not be physical attacks and physical wars, but life sure does have challenges, doesn't it? Dude, life has challenges. Look look what it says in Job 14.1. This is a very true scripture. Man who is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. (laughs) Just leave that up there for a minute. I mean, this, this is life, isn't it? You're born... And then there's trouble. That's it. Like your man is born and then life's just trouble. And is that not your life? I mean, life just seems to be trouble, isn't it? Life is just work. And if you haven't embraced that reality, you can get frustrated because it seems like it never stops. It seems like you're waiting for a moment of like, man, there's got to be a point where the struggle of life stops. Because if your life has been anything like mine, it seems like, you know, we had trouble when we were in elementary school and junior high and high school. And if you went to college, you had a job, you went to the military, you had family issues and health issues. And life just seems to be moments of clarity in between issues and problems. Has that not been your life as well? Or you just living that perfect life of like, man, I don't know what it is, man. I wake up every day and everything just seems to happen easy for me. No, because you got a job and you got cars and houses and pandemics and politics and all this stuff. And, and, if, and if you've lived a life, you really can understand this operative phrase of weep until you have no power to weep. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever cried like that. I don't know if you've ever cried so hard that the pillow can't get any more wet and your eyes can't put out any more tears. If you've been through trauma or abuse or just horrible things that have happened in your life, you can rest resonate with this idea of seeing everything that you loved taken from you, destroyed, and just crying until you don't have any more power to cry. There's just no tears left. And as a person that serves God, sometimes you you get this mindset of, man, what is the deal? Ah, I've been serving God. I do what I'm supposed to do. Am, am, am I not supposed to have like a better life than this? Can, can I? I mean, I, I, I serve and I love and I try to live a moral life and I pay my tithes and I do all this other stuff. And, and how come it is? It seems that trouble still comes to come my way. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of weeping. Ecclesiastes is my favorite book in the whole Bible. There's so much wisdom in that book. Whenever I seem to lose my way, I just go and I sit down, and you can read it in an hour. It's a great book. There's a gem in here in Ecclesiastes 9.11. It says this, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to the men of skill, But time and chance happen to them all. Do do you see that? Leave this up here. Time and chance happen to them all. There's just this element of being human that you just cannot control everything. Time and chance happen to us all. 
And then the writer of Ecclesiastes goes so far as to say this. He says, you know what? Even when you are the fastest runner, you still don't win. Even when you are the strongest warrior, you still don't win the battle. Even when you are a wise person, you still don't always get all the things that you need. Even when you have the most understanding, you still may not be rich. Even though you might have the best skill, you may not get favor. No, you can have everything. You can have all of the things the world says you need to have a life that is devoid of any problems. But time and chance happen to us all. It happens to all of us. There's an element that you just can't control. Now, what does this mean to you? It means that you have got to embrace that your life is not perfect and it never will be. You you just got to embrace that, man. Some of you have not embraced that reality and you're worshiping at the altar of a perfect life and it's become idolatry to you. And whenever anything happens in your life, you turn your back on God and you get upset and you get in a bad mood because you have this idea of like, well, I'm serving God. I should have a perfect life and I shouldn't have to have any challenges. And everybody else seems to have a perfect life except for me. And you stop serving God and it's got to stop. You've got to stop having that mindset. You're never going to have a perfect life that doesn't have problems. It just doesn't exist. And, and honestly, even more so if you're a Christian. I mean, if you look at 1 Peter 3, 4, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, that's what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians four seventeen for our light affliction, what is but for a moment. Acts 5, 41, rejoicing, they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Philippians 1, 29, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, I'm, I'm, now let me make it clear here. I'm, I'm not saying to live a life with an expectation of destruction. That person's super annoying. Okay. <laughs> Because then, then you can't even enjoy what the Lord has given you, which is another part of Ecclesiastes that I love. That's part of how to live life. Just enjoy what God has given you. And sometimes people can't enjoy it because they're so worried about it being taken away. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is what sets people this expectation of a perfect life without any issues. Oh my gosh, my water heater broke. That's what they do. They're planned obsolescence. Tires wear out, windows break, money runs out, vegetables go moldy that you don't eat that you leave in the back of your refrigerator. Bodies break down. You're gonna have health. You're gonna have health issues. Everything is built with an expiration date, including you. But but people have this, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. I was expecting to live a perfect life that didn't have any problems or any issues. Friend, life is issues. That's all it is. It's just moments of brief, brief clarity. That's why we all love going on a vacation where we finally just, you eat what you want, you do what you want, you get it. That's why it's called a vacation. They call wherever you go paradise. People say, well, I'm just living in paradise in Auburn, Washington. Like, it just doesn't exist. No one vacations here, okay? First Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange is happening to you. What is, what is this? What? 
I'm having an issue. I'm having a problem. Think, think about this. Pa- Pastor Jay was talking about how uh, last night about how David was designed as a, a man after God's own heart. That's how he was described in the Bible. And and if I was pitting myself against any of these great men of the Bible, I don't even deserve to be mentioned anywhere close to them, right? I mean, David had a, he did big things and big battles, and he was king of Israel and all this other stuff. And dude, he had some problems in his life. So if David, called a man after God's own heart, still had to go through some problems, and then, you know, measly little Matt from Ballard, all of a sudden, like, no, 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 David had to go through, but Matt, well, you were the chosen. We're gonna... <laughs> I mean, this is one of the greatest indications of the truthfulness of the Bible is the reality that it tells stories about people that had problems. Yeah. Because if I was going to write a false manipulative book, what I would have done is make it seem like if you follow God, your life is perfect. Because then you could use that towards people. It's like, see, follow God and your life will be perfect and you don't have to go through any issues. That's what I would do. What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't tell a truthful book that showed that, man, you can serve God right and still have people trying to chase you. You can serve God and they'll take your stuff and take your, uh, your, your livelihood and they'll burn down your stuff. It's not a story that goes, man, sign me up man that sounds like a great life you can't live with this expectation of a perfect life I know that for me my life has not been perfect my life has had challenges and you know what I say man it's just the way it is things break and people die and people get fired and things don't go as planned you can, you cannot mitigate everything you can't set up your life in such a way that you're like man i just want to set it up so i never have to have any calamity it just doesn't work that way it that's not what the bible says so david is distressed he's overwhelmed he's had everything that he ever loved taken from him his wives his kids his land, his influence, his strength. There's really nowhere for him to turn at this point. It's, uh, honestly, it's a great time for him to just kind of give up. It'd be a great time. I mean, this could be a good end of his story. And so then David quit and went home. <laughs> Move on. And so then David quit and he went home. And that's just the last we hear of David. Pastor Jay was talking last night. Uh, it's top of mind because it was such a great sermon. Uh, he was talking about how last night you default to your foundations. And God bless Pastor Jay. He shared what his default is, which is to put his head down and just work. That's what he does. When, when things get hard, he just puts his head down and he works. And then eventually he looks up and he came through on the other side. I, on the other hand, I default to my foundation, which is quitting. <laughs> That's my foundation, man. That's just what I do, man. I just, I'm just going to quit. Like, I just, I just don't have that mindset, man. Ever since I'm going to kept like that, I said, give me my ball. I'm going home. <laughs> my Tired of getting hit in the face with the red rubber ball. It's my ball. I'm going home. I quit. <laughs> Can't win in this sport. I quit the team. I mean, I literally, like, I, I, I'd be in a hard math class. I'd be like, can I get in a lower math class? That's just what I did. I, like, I was just like, quit, you know? I don't like this job. I quit. And so what happens is that that's your default, and then you start to move through life. And I'm like, I want to quit this military. I want to quit this marriage. I want to quit this church. <laughs> That's just my default, man. Like, it's my first thing. Like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm just going to quit. It's just so much easier to quit. But here, here's, here's the part that I think is that if you've never thought about giving up, I don't think you're really in the fight. Yeah. I don't 
trust people that never think about quitting. I just don't, man. Because I'm like, all right, so you've never worked so hard that you gave it your best and you still failed and you didn't feel like quitting? Because me, it's just like a constant haze, like all around me where I'm just like, it's looming around me like, quit, quit, quit. (laughs) But here's part of the equation, man. On this side of heaven, you have got to wake up to the reality that there is no earthly person or solution that's coming to save you. It's just not like you've got to wake up to this, man. There, there's nobody that's sitting around humanly that's going to come and save you. And yes, God sends angels and people and provision sometimes. He does. But, but sometimes you find yourself at the bottom alone with no one helping you and you can only reach out to the Lord. You, you have to strengthen yourself. You have to encourage yourself. You say, man, there's nobody coming. Like everything's been taken. Everybody's turned on me. They want to stone me. I don't have anything less. The only option I have is I have to strengthen myself. I have to. And now that's a, that's a bit of action that needs to be taken by each of us. We, we can't be passive in this life. There, David's at the end and he's there and he could have quit and he could have given up and he had all these reasons and no one really would have faulted him. But, he, but he's got to, like, there's got to be a... A moment, a moment where he comes in and says, you know, man, I'm not going to be passive. I'm, I'm going to take some action. But how do we, how do we pragmatically do that, right? Like I can say, okay, we'll strengthen yourselves in the Lord. How do we do that? How do we strengthen ourselves? A, a Bible commentator, McLaren, said this. He says, there is no mystery about the road to the sweetness and holiness and power that may belong to the Christian. The only way to win them is to be occupied far more than most of us are with the plain truths of God's revelation in Jesus Christ. That's it. Like, we just don't do that, though. Like, we think about everything else except that. We, we don't think about the plain truths of Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. If you're not controlling your thoughts and your eyes towards the revealed truths that you know to be true, you're always going to struggle to find strength in the Lord. And that's on you. That's on nobody else but Y-O-U. You choose what you think about. You choose what you look at. And if you choose to think about something else and you choose to look at something else, you are not going to find strength in the Lord. You're just not, man. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You must focus if you're going to be engaged in this battle to encourage yourself. It's what the Bible says in, in Hebrews 12.3. It says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And what, what does that mean? Quite simply, think about Jesus. Think, think about what he went through. And, and it, it, it will encourage you to not become discouraged in what you're going through. And so the exercise is this, is that, okay, so Jesus was, was beaten and scourged and, and he was uh, uh, crucified on a cross, a bloody death. And so if I'm going through something, I think about what Jesus went through and that encourages me for what I'm going through. Stuck in traffic. I'm hungry. I'm missing my shows. All right, hold on. Let me think about Jesus, okay? 
if Jesus died on the cross, a bloody death, I'm pretty sure that I can endure the fact that they ran out of my favorite snack crackers at the grocery store. I can probably find some way to not become discouraged because somehow I got a flat tire. I'm going to think about Jesus. You don't understand, Pastor. They they said bad words about me. It's on Facebook. And then they unfriended me. Alright. And you would say, Matt, you're you're minimizing my feelings. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm exa- I, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm minimizing your feelings and telling you that if you look at the pain and suffering at a cross, then you look at your feelings like, well, it's not that bad. It's not this bad. I'm not like if I walked and you're on a cross, like, ah, I'm like, man, you don't have nowhere else to think. You can't, ma- you're at the same place Jesus was at. But anything less than that, we're going to minimize it and say, do you want consider him so that you don't become discouraged? Look at Jesus and your problems don't seem that big. It's what the Bible says. The Bible also says in Psalm 2.8, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. That's a big promise and a big ask. God says, just come to me and just ask of me. And you know what? I'll give you nations. I'll give you the earth as a possession for you. But you have to ask me. Immediately start talking to God about your need for strength and he will show up in your life. You've got to engage your brain. You've got to engage your eyes. You've got to engage your mouth. And you have to cry out to God and say, God, I need your strength right now. I need you to strengthen me. And the Bible promises that he will show up to strengthen you. If you stay focused on him and his promises. See, the Apostle Paul, and this is why what's reading the Bible is so important. When you go and you read what happened to the Apostle Paul, and he was beaten and scourged and boiled. He wasn't boiled, but other apostles were. But all these other things that happened in his life. But yet he found strength in the Lord. We read about it in 2 Timothy 4.17. He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He knew the power of the resurrected Christ. He knew the power that he could appropriate. And so when he went through things, he called on the strength of Jesus to help him through what he was going through. Also, you have to be brave. You have to be brave, man. You've got to, you've got to consider him. You've got to talk to him, but you've got to be brave. You've got to face this thing head on. First Corinthians 16, 13 says, watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Some, some translations say, act like men. Just be brave, man. I understand, man. Life's a challenge, but you have to, <coughs> excuse me. You've got to be a person that's going to appropriate the strength of the Lord. And be, just be brave about it. <clears throat> I don't know why, but it seems to me that there's an epidemic of weakness in people. Yeah. And it's contagious. Yeah. People are living in constant fear. Yeah. They're just weak, man. People are just like... Yeah. It's just weakness, man. And it just seems to be... What, what, what happened? Like, dude, I grew up in the 80s, man. Like I grew up where you had like bare chested men with machine guns that took down the world by themselves. You know what I'm saying? I grew up on the Delta Force and Commando and Rambo. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, like they're not, you couldn't stop one dude with muscles and a machine gun. You know, and now all the movies, I don't know what they do. Like, it's like false realities and superheroes. There's no longer like guys with muscles that go rescue their daughters by themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was good old days, man. And I don't get it. Like, for some reason in... In our society, there's this feeling of like, when you're just talking to people, who's ever got the worst stories wins, right? So you're just like, hey man, how's it going? And how's it going is the opener to tell me the absolute worst thing that's going on in your life right now. And if not, just make whatever small thing you're going through, get it as big as possible to make it seem like it's the worst thing as possible. So it's going, well, you know, my elbows went hurting. <laughs> got that little bit of the COVID and, you know, I didn't get the hours at work that I was hoping for. My car was broken down. Me and the wife went fighting and it's just, I can't even seem to get ahead. Oh, that's nothing. I should tell you what's going on with me. I've got this infection in my ear and you know, it's like, and, and it's, it's funny. I really try to do this. I've learned throughout the years of ministry to not ask people, how's it going? Cause when you ask people that they'll tell you, so I don't say that anymore. I just say, Hey, it's great to see you. And you probably heard me say that on Sundays. Hey, it's great to see you. Why? Because like, I just get so tired of like, and I get it, man. Like people want to talk about their problems, but sometimes it's just like, to t- and it's just not fun. Like no one leaves that conversation feeling better. So what I do is I actually ask people, and I'll say to people, man, tell me the best thing that's going on in your life right now. And they're like, huh? Yeah, dude, just brag. Like, tell me about how you got that promotion, how your kids are winning at sports, and, you know, you finished a project at home or something, man. Like, I just want to hear about your wins. I don't want to hear about your problems. And it's not that I don't care about them, but, like, let's just talk about something else, man. Let's live in positivity. Let's not live in negativity. Act like men, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says. Because I will tell you, you have to be somewhat brave to not just give up. Yes. You just have to. And, and I get it, man, because in the, uh, in the day and age where we live, like we, we talk about bravery or courage or uh, being encouraged. And, and we think about heroism and, and, and society paints heroism in this way of just like, if you don't have a bayonet in your teeth and you're crawling through the blood and saving people jumping from a helicopter, like you're not heroic, right? By that standard, I've never done anything heroic in my life. At all. But, but I will tell you that in the world's definition, uh, in, in this world, in my mind, the definition of not giving up, dude, it's that single mom that has a horrible job that gets up every day to take care of her kids. Like, that's, that's heroism, man. That, like, dude, I hate this job, and I hate my boss, but, man, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hit snooze. I'm going to get up. I'm going to feed my kids, and no one notices, and then I'm just going to go and do my job, and I'm just going to do it for years, just grinding it out with no thanks, and nobody notices because I know it's the right thing to do. And that's heroism. That's real heroism, man. There's millions of people that live that reality every day. There's no movies about that. (laughs) That's all the movie is. She just gets up in the morning and makes her kids breakfast and then goes to work and then just comes home for years. That's not a very exciting story, but that in my book is heroism. And if you're raised by a single mom like I was, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, man. 
Hebrews 12, 12 says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. That's you doing it. That scripture talks about you strengthening your hands, you strengthening your feeble knees. That's you stepping it up, man, getting in the fight. Second Chronicles 15, 7, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. Just keep your hands to the plow, man. Control the controllables. Do what you can do. Keep your hands to the plow. Trust in the Lord. Let God do the rest. Haggai 2.4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Because here's, here's the big part of it, right? So David's distressed. He begins to strengthen himself. He begins to encourage himself. But it's only in the Lord that you can be strengthened. That's it, man. It's only in the Lord that you can be strengthened. Because here's a truth, man. This is going to be some of the truest preaching you're going to hear today. And it's very encouraging. You are not strong enough to do it on your own. You're just not, man. You don't have what it takes. You aren't smart enough. You aren't skilled enough. You're not powerful enough to get through it on your own. You're just not. Because if you were, you would have gotten through it. But you're not getting through it. You're at the bottom. You're at the end of your rope. It's empty and you're done for. You don't have what it takes. And I think that was part of the problem of David is that he knew his limitations. He was probably overwhelmed because he was probably empty from all of his fighting and he couldn't muster up enough gumption to go back into battle with the Amalekites, man. He'd already beat them once, so he beats them once, they come back and then they rout him, man. They take everything from him and then he's like, oh, I just fought this battle. Why do I have to do it again? God, just when I thought I was getting to a good place. And now they just came back even worse and they took everything from me. And I got to fight? No. I'm just going to weep and I can't weep anymore, man. I'm not going to do this, man. I'm not going back into this fight. Wait, but I can strengthen myself in the Lord. I can strengthen myself in the Lord. I can find my, <laughs> I can find my strength in Him. And we say, well, how did, well, how did he do that? We know how he did that because he wrote it down in Psalm 138. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. It made me bold with strength in my soul. He called out to God and God strengthened him in his inner man and in his soul. He was strengthened in the Lord. Here, here's, a, here's a very encouraging part of the Bible is that the Bible never describes self-sufficiency as the answer to your problems. That's never what the Bible says. It never just says, hey man, you're on your own. The Bible never says, figure it out. The Bible says, good luck. Go and see how you're going to fix your own stuff. No. This isn't a war that the spoils go to the strongest warriors. This is a war where the spoils go to the weakest ones that are willing to cry out to God. 
It says in Ephesians 6.10, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not be strong in yourself. Not to be strong in your own plans, your own ideas, your own strength, your own abilities. That's not what it says at all. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's only through Him that we can overcome. Only through Him we can get through the despairs and the problems and the pains of this life. It's only through Him. Now, I'm going to share you guys a little bit about myself. And when I share this type of stuff, it's not because I'm not looking for you to come by and pat me on the back and go, hey, here's a medal. That's not it, man. I just... I want to preach from a reality of knowing that this is the truth. And in my life, uh, and and I'm I'm not complaining, I'm just painting a picture. I've never had a man come into my life to mentor me, coach me, lead me, look out for me, follow up with me my entire life. Like there's never going to be a moment where I'm at my retirement and they pull back the thing and I'm like, well, here's this man that every day he called me and, and he encouraged me. And when I felt like quitting, he was there for me. And, 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 and I couldn't have done it without him because from the time that I was a young man, he just walked with me and pushed me. There's no man behind the curtain. There's no human person that sits behind that curtain. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. He's the one that fathered me. He's the one that led me. He's the one that coached me. He's the one that took care of me. From the time I was 15 years old, he's held me in the palm of his hand. (laughs) I'm going to control my emotions here. But in those nights of despair, those nights when I was alone and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to turn to and I didn't have anybody that was clamoring to speak into my life, I cried out to God, to, to the author and the perfecter and the finisher of my faith and I said, would you father me? Would you lead me? Would you comfort me? I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't, I don't know. And God showed up, man. God showed up every single time he showed up. And so whatever I've just paltry things I've been able to accomplish in this meaningless life that I live, it's only because of his strength and his power inside of me. Because in and of myself, dude, I'm just a quitter. I'm a, I'm a faker. I'm a, I'm, I can't figure it out or like, I just, I don't know how I'm going to get there. But Jesus comes in and he says, you know what, man, an empty, broken, humble vessel like you, somehow we can make something work out of this thing. Somehow. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know, you know, we need him. And if you're of him and you're in him and you rest on him, he's in you and with you and around you. If you're a saved, Holy Ghost filled child of God, he walks with you through the fire. Yes. Ephesians 1:19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Those who believe. So for those of you that are here this morning or watching that don't believe, you don't get that power. You're out there on your own, man. Good luck. Me, on the other hand, I believe. And so because I believe, I get the promises of Scripture. And the promises of Scripture is that I get the exceeding greatness of His power. According to the working of His mighty power. Isaiah 40, 21. Uh, And have you not heard? (laughs) 
Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the end of the earth, he neither faints, he's not weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Have you not heard this truth? You're you're walking through this life, an empty, shallow person trying to do it on your own strength, man. Join the weak club, man. Join us with a bunch of the other losers that couldn't figure it out and appropriate the greatest power that you could have to be able to walk through this life that's filled with distress and problems. It's a whole lot better on this side, man. I'll tell you. I'm just dumb enough to believe it, man. That's the God I walk with. That's the God I serve. That's my Savior. See, being strengthened in the Lord is otherworldly. It just is, man. It's it's not what most people would expect or understand. What it is is that you you look at a circumstance and you change your mind and your eyes and your mouth and you're like, you know what, man? I don't know how, but God's going to do some of this. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I have trust to know that God's going to give me strength to get through this and it's going to turn out for better. The Bible says he'll turn all things to good. And and other people look at you like, man, how are you walking through this? And I go, well, you know, I know God. He never faints. He's never weary and he's taking care of me all along. It's staying the course. It's going without. It's sacrificing, giving, loving, serving with no immediate outcomes. You just keep plowing, man. You just you just put your head down. You just go. And you just know you're going to turn around one day like, oh, hey, look at what God did, man. God did it. He made it happen. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. See, here, here's the best part of this. is what David grasped and what you have to grasp is that He is your God. He's more than just God. It it says here in verse 6, it says, He was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. His God. David claimed in his heart his belief that Yahweh, Jehovah, was much more than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was of the belief that God, the creator, was his God, the God of David. And when these marauders took everything from him, his land, his family, his prestige, his power, they took his strength and they took his will to fight, but they could not take it all. They couldn't take away his God. I wish some of y'all would hear me on this. They took everything from him, but they couldn't take everything from him. They thought, well, I'm going to take your your prestige. I'm going to take your family. I'm going to take your means for protection. I'm going to take everything from you, and I'm going to destroy you because I can take everything from you. And David's like, you can't take everything from me because I still got my God. I still got my God. They couldn't take away his God because David knew that God was his God. See, Yahweh was known as the God of Israel, but in that general sense, that God was not enough power to draw on in David's deepest time of need. He took hold of the intimate individual connection that all of us have been promised through Scripture where God says, I will be your God. He is the God of Israel. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is that God, but he is also your God. He's your God. And if you know that he's your God, you will call, you will call upon him individually and say, do you want this God is for me? He's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Russ. Yes. 
He's the God of James. He's the God of Paul. He's the God of Richard. He's the God of Marcus and the God of Michael. He, he doesn't live in the sky and doesn't not know who you are. He individually calls you and says, I will be your God. I'm going to be your God. And this is a promise that many of people in Scripture took hold of. And they had amazing things happen. Exodus 32, 11, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God. What kind of miracles did Moses see? What kind of life did Moses live with his God? Jonah 2, 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. Jonah rescued from the belly of the fish when he cried out to his God. This is a promise to Israel and to Messiah himself that he would be his God, Micah 5, 4, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of his name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide for now. He shall be great to them to the ends of the earth because it will be his God. Have you internalized and believed that in your greatest times of need that he is your God? He's so much more. He's not like some nameless, like, and, and I get it, man, because with, with being surrounded by millions and billions of people, you get this idea of like, well, how could he know me? Well, he's the one with the name tag that says God. You don't have that ability. That's why your name isn't God. His name's God. He has the ability to know you all individually and know us all collectively at the same time. Uh, Psalm 146.5 Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now I don't have time to go into it. We're almost done here. There's a man by the name of Abram uh, in the Old Testament. And Abram met God, the, the God of Yahweh. Right? He met Yahweh God. Jehovah God. And Abram got his name changed to Abraham. And the, the reason why his name changed to Abraham is he entered into covenant with God. So when you take Yahweh and Abram, you put those together, you get Abraham because Abraham got his name changed. And what's so beautiful about that is at the same time God changed his name because after he entered into covenant with Abraham, then he was known after that as the God of Abraham. God changed his name after he went into relationship with Abraham because he wanted to be known by who he was in relationship with. God knows us collectively, but he also knows us individually. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Here's my hope for this year is that I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And um, personally, I don't think that Things are going to be super fantastic this year. I just don't, um, because if, at least if here, it's just not, right? And so we, the only option we have is encourage ourselves in the Lord. Yes. To realize that our, 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 our strength and our power is not connected to who rules us in the modern world. It's not connected to the prices of gasoline and food and all those other things. What a treasure it is for us to be together in a time such as this to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord, man. What a treasure to be able to be together, to be able to encourage ourselves. And so our hope is from this revival week as we move forward from here, that in those times, it's not to say that you can't talk about your problems or we can't talk about what's going on in our lives, but just the reality of like, you know what, man? We've got to keep ourselves encouraged in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Would you, would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I'd like to invite you to become one. It's quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. And you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be set free, I want to be forgiven of my sins, and you'd like to do that for the very first time, we'd like to pray with you this morning. 
it's really quite easy. You just say, man, I'm done living for myself. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to live for Jesus. It's a direction change. It's not superstition. So you don't give your life to Jesus and then go back and live your same life. That's not how it works. You start living for Jesus. But if you've never made that decision before, even if you're watching online, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that today? I'd like to pray with you. Maybe you've known the truth and you've walked in the truth and you say, Pastor, I've already raised my hand. I've already walked forward. But I don't know what happened, man. It's been a few years. I've been away from God and I'm done. I'm ready to give my, I'm ready to just come back to him. I want to live for him in a way that I've never lived for him before. I want to rededicate my life to him. If you've never, or it's not if you've never, but if you need to do that, if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now so we can pray for you as well. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? Hey, we want to thank you so much for being hey, we'd online like to thank you so much for joining us today online. On Facebook, we want to encourage like you to like our Facebook page, YouTube, follow us on social media. Us on if Twitter, you're a regular watcher of friends, Faith and Victory online, would you please online. send us a message because we, we want to get so to know much. you. We want to be connected day. with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.